Welcome to the podcast where relationships, confidence, and determination all converge into an amazing heartfelt experience. This is Speaking from the Heart. Welcome back to episode number eight of Speaking from the Heart. Today, we have yet another Toastmaster, a distinguished Toastmaster, Michelle Westgate, who is currently the Division G Director for District 38 Toastmasters, covering eastern Pennsylvania and central and southern New Jersey, and was recently elected the District's Club Growth Director, which we're going to talk about a little bit in the episode when we interview her. She is a veteran of the United States Air Force, in which she has an impressive background in business development opportunities that have reached public and private development. She has also created relationships through those partnerships, which have led in turn to high-level sales growth with teams that she's been involved with over her 25-plus year career that she has and has worked with various technical teams as well. She's also a volunteer and part of the planning commission for West Norrington Township, which is part of a county in eastern Pennsylvania, which helps to provide continuity on land use, zoning, subdivision controls, and she works with county planners to maintain continuity in her local community. I will forewarn you, this episode does talk about domestic violence, and if you are somebody listening to this episode that's currently going through any sort of situation relating to partner abuse or going through troubling times with a significant other, I want you to know that there are resources available to you, which I'm going to put not only in episode notes, but we're also going to talk about a little bit in the interview itself. I will say also that Michelle has a unique story that all of us can learn, whether we are in the personal or the professional realm, and will help us take it to the next level. But with that, let's go to the episode. We have Michelle Westgate here with us. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thanks, Josh. Thank you for inviting me to your show. It's quite the honor to be a member of your cast for the day. Yes, absolutely. And being the fourth guest on my show, I really appreciate you being one of those pioneers I was really interested in your story because you and I have known each other for several years now, off and on about not only things that we have worked together on, but also indirectly. And I'm really curious, and I'm sure the audience would want to know this too. Tell us a little bit about where you have started from when it had came to a career path and how did you get to where you are today? Because I already let the audience know about all the things that you do and what you have achieved. And I'm just wondering, how does someone go from really working at Sears all the way up to what you're doing right now? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, even working at Sears was a terrific opportunity for me. I went from being just a regular employee, walking through the door, entry level, moving all the way up to as high as I could get without a college degree in the company. I was in charge of a team. I led international efforts towards building a new line of business. I created a lot of documents that they used and they may still use somewhere in the Sears Discover world. I eventually left Sears 
I had been there for over nine years. And one day I drove into the parking lot and I couldn't get out of my car. And I decided to just go home. I just could not take the stress of doing what I was doing there any longer and thought there's more to my life than what I'm doing at Sears. And not that it was a bad company, but I just felt a lot of stress and pressure in that moment. Was there a moment when you decided, yes, I'm going to leave and I'm going to see what's out there? Was it because that you felt that you had a lot more to offer or was it something that just happened one day, like you said, that flipped the light switch for you? Between the mix of personal and professional stress, I think it was just a point where I could not stay in the situation I was in. I had to make a change. My personal life was a disaster at that point of time. I was dealing with a lot of pressure at home and at work. I was overseeing a lot of people who would escalate their calls to me. I was the one who was taking those tough calls and it got to the point where people were circling me to see what I was going to say when I got somebody on the phone. How was I going to deal with telling somebody that we're going to rip the carpet out of their home? How was I going to deal with telling somebody that we're going to come and take your roof off your house because you're not paying for it? And I started to think it was more of a joke than a serious issue, but I learned a lot. I learned that no matter where you are in life, don't ever take it for granted that you're always going to be there tomorrow. We could become homeless in a heartbeat. And that was my first experience with seeing the world in a bigger way, knowing that there was more, that there was a reality that I had not even touched on yet. I was a young adult. I was in my early 20s and moving into the next part of my life. Somehow I landed at an engineering firm. And that was when I started my path in the AEC industry, that's architects, engineers, construction. I've been in that industry in some way for the rest of my career, all the way up until just recently. Wow. I found something resonate with me when you say that when you were a young adult and you connected all the dots essentially with seeing different experiences and seeing different people coming from all walks of life. What was the moment that you realized that you needed to see not just people and just where they're at, but also how did you navigate through learning from those people? Meaning, was there something that you have taken from those experiences, even your young career at the time? 
to even the present? Is there something that you've shared with others, whether those are employees, those are people that you work with and some of the volunteering that you do, or even some of the service you do publicly? What have you taken with you? And what would you say to my audience as to what are some things that we can do even in today's environment, which I think is some of the most shakiest when it comes to not only getting a job, but also a stable job that has all the bells and whistles like benefits and health care specifically, all those. What's your take on that? My take on that. Thanks, Josh. I would say that you should be authentic and you should care. You should really care about the people and the things happening around you. But mostly you should care about yourself. If you're not getting joy out of what you're doing, then you should find something that you will get joy out of. I became a mentor in my professional life, and that's where the biggest part of my joy comes from. I can do almost any job and be a mentor. And I have to take the perspective that most people have when they go into a job and they're trying to work ahead and switch it, skew it, so that it is more about what I'm getting out of my giving to others. It's the joy that I get when I see somebody's lights just go on. They get excited. They become a leader. They take charge. They share their ideas. They open up and they speak. And that is exciting when you're a mentor, especially when it's somebody who comes in to your environment, into your world, and they don't have that confidence. They don't have that readiness to take on the world. And you get to empower them. You get to help them move forward. And there's so much excitement in that. It drives me forward. I noticed, too, that you are a veteran of the United States Air Force, which thank you for your service, by the way. It's greatly enduring and is always a sacrifice to do. When you are giving to our country, and specifically the United States, for my international listeners, just to clarify, is there something that you learned from that that kind of helped to start that motion into that direction? Because I think what you just said is something that isn't necessarily taught. It's something that we kind of go through with experience, right? Is that what your experience has been, or has it been something else? Being a veteran, being active duty or a GI, a government issue. I was an object at the service of the government. I learned that I had to speak up for myself even when I was afraid. When you have a drill sergeant screaming in your face about the length of your pants or your hair being out of place, and you know that you are correct, that you are in line, you have to speak up for yourself. Do it respectfully. You don't have to 
swear at somebody. You don't have to insult them. Standing up for yourself doesn't mean hurting the other person. It just means that you're helping yourself. You are making others aware of who you are, and you are also building that confidence with each fearful word, every, every word that comes out of your mouth. It changes you. And if I didn't continue to speak up and to speak out, I don't know where I would be today. Well, I think that you bring a unique perspective in what you've shared because a lot of people think that what we value as our words, we want to express them immediately as possible. And we don't give much thought to what the consequences are, especially when we're thinking about not just the actions that go behind it, but also the tone, the voice, and all those things. And here we are again, ladies and gentlemen, we're with another Toastmaster, essentially, that has been working on that herself. So when you hear the words of violence going through people's minds, essentially, these are hateful, derogatory terms that we say to somebody else. I'm sure maybe you have a story that might tie into this too. but what would you say, especially somebody that's been working with public speaking and even leadership over the years, what is something that we could do to help foster some of those relationships in a better way? And when I ask that, I mean, not just in what you've learned and just being part of the workforce and also being a veteran of really the armed forces, what would you think is important in today's day and age that we can start to simmer down that conversation. Active listening. Mm. That's a term that Toastmasters uses to explain one of the best parts of communication, one of the most important parts of communication, which is not just hearing the words, but actually listening and absorbing those words and considering what somebody is saying to you. If you're not listening to other people, you're not going to be open enough to make a change. I found over the years that I had opinions and thoughts about things that might have been wrong. I could have argued with you that the sky was green and it was really blue and somebody showed me the facts. If I hadn't opened up my mind, my ears, my heart to hear them, I would never have learned the truth. I think that everybody has a story and that story matters. If you don't stop and listen, you're not going to learn about the world around you. You're not going to learn how to interact with other people. And moving ahead in life, moving ahead in your career, you need to know how to connect to people. You need to know how to interact with somebody who's in a certain position and understand that you have to be respectful in a moment. Even if you don't believe that person deserves the respect, they still should 
be treated with a certain, I'm not sure what that word is. Some of my previous guests, I think, have even said having eye contact and even, like you said, listening skills that are tuned to what that human element is. Like having that connection is really important. And I feel like that's what you're trying to say. That human connection is very important. And if I didn't connect with other people, I don't think anybody would ever want me around. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say that I will want you around even then. We can have our disagreements, but we can come to the table and still talk about them rational. (laughs) And that's exactly what we do. And there is this argument in the world about whether I can speak with somebody who has a differing opinion. Maybe they have a different culture. Maybe they have a different line of thinking. Maybe they are just not in the same place that I am. They still have a need to be heard. Mm -hmm. And I think as humans, we have an obligation to our fellow people to listen, to give them that opportunity to speak. And finding that platform is sometimes challenging because you don't always want to make other people feel uncomfortable with someone's message. I find that quite fascinating because some people don't know how to have that balance. And some of them take it to one extreme or another. And I'm just curious, you have talked a lot about this, almost as if you have lived that life. And it seems as if there's somebody or maybe something that had happened in your life. And I'm wondering if you want to share that with our audience about what that situation or that person was and how that has made a profound impact on you personally. Oh, certainly, Josh. You and I have talked about this. <laughs> and, you knew, and you knew I was going to ask the question, too. <laughs> I was married to a person who was an amazing person, intelligent. Everyone loved him. He was Mensa. He wore suits. He was well-educated and well-liked, very personable, the kind of guy you want to sit in a bar and drink a beer with. About six months into our relationship, he started isolating me from the people around me, my friends, my family, even the ability to drive a car, hold money, make phone calls. I found myself in a situation that became darker and darker with every moment that I lived it. And at one point, at one point, he held a gun to my head. Oh my God. He said, I'm going to kill you. That was the moment my entire life changed. In that moment, I thought, does it matter? Does it really matter if he kills me in this moment? I said, fine. If that's what you want to do, go for it. 
He walked away because it was boring at that time. He gave up and, and didn't kill me. Of course, his fun would have ended then. But I continued to think about that and how I had gone from being this vibrant, very active, extremely inquisitive person to basically not living. I was in a box. I was in a shell. And I was at the point where I couldn't talk to another person. If somebody asked me a question, I was afraid to answer that question. I couldn't look people in the eyes. I could not speak a word without stuttering and stammering. I even shook when I had to answer a question. It was very difficult to try to find a job in that time. And of course, he would take me to the job. He would pick me up from the job. He knew exactly where I was at all times in the building. It was very controlling. And back then, we didn't have direct deposit. There were paychecks. And when I got my paycheck, he drove me to the bank. And only his name was on the bank account. I had no way out. I was stuck in a situation where I said, Michelle, you're not living. Is this really where you want to be? Wow. First off, I want to say that for anybody that is going through any sort of situation like that, domestic violence wise or anything that is threatening your life, I'm going to put a link in the episode notes about services and resources that you can reach out to in your local community to help you start making steps in the right direction so that you have that safety. But Michelle, specifically to you, I want you to know that you are a gift in this world, and I'm really impressed by what you have been able to do since that moment and since those days where you were pretty much told what to do every day. And maybe even for those that are struggling with where that first step is, what did you do to finally say, that's enough? I know that I have value. I'm worthy of this. Is there any advice that you can give to anybody that is struggling with this? Because I know for a fact that there are a lot of people, especially with some of the things that I've been personally involved in over the years, that they might not even know what that first step is. What would you recommend to someone? And how would you have them go about doing that first step? I'd like to start this statement with saying, I was afraid. I was ashamed. It was more than just fear of him, but I was ashamed to tell people that I was in this situation that I found myself in a place like this where I had been brainwashed. I was controlled. I had been manipulated. I was afraid and I was ashamed. And if I were to tell somebody what to do today, I would tell them to reach out to their nearest crisis center. There are lots of people in the world who are willing to have a conversation with you. And it doesn't mean that you have to follow through with it. You could just think about it. You don't have to move right now. But inform yourself. And if you know somebody who's in that situation, 
inform those people about the opportunities around you. There are local domestic violence shelters everywhere. There are teams at your police stations that are sensitive to these needs. There are people in hospitals that will take you into another room away from anyone who might hear, and you can tell them that you need help. You can signal to somebody when you're out and about that you need help, and a lot of times people will come through for you. I had people step in and help me because I opened my mouth. I took and, a chance. Yeah. Most, most women or most people who try to leave an extremely violent situation, and I didn't even touch on the depths of this situation, but when they do, they don't live. There is a high risk of being murdered by your abuser. And there are a lot of things that you have to consider when you are taking that step. And the first thing is to be aware of what's happening around you and to make sure that everybody, I don't care if it's the dog down the street, you make sure all of your neighbors know, you make sure that anybody you work with knows that you are going through this and that this person is not welcome in your life. You go to the courthouse and file for an injunction to get that person to stay away from you. In different areas, they use different terminology for this. Basically, it's a keep away order. Of course, that keep away order doesn't always protect you because it's a piece of paper. A person can still get past that. And a lot of times, our police officers are, their, their hands are tied. They can't step in and help unless they see that you're actually bleeding. Wow. That's scary. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that the world has changed a lot since I was in that, that situation. There are so many opportunities out there for us to help each other. And that's what I would say. Just keep trying, keep moving forward, even when the world becomes a very dark place and you think that there is no hope whatsoever, you take a step, just one little step, and it takes you in the right direction. And you just keep going and you don't think about what could happen. Instead, you think about what your vision is for tomorrow. What are you going to do in this next moment? Where do you see yourself in a day, in a week, in a year? Get yourself out of that situation if you can. And if you can't, you get somebody to help you get out of that situation and let them help you because people want to. I believe that deep in my heart that people are inherently good and that they will help. It sounds like it's all about not just having a plan so that you're ready for that transition, but you also are willing to say and give yourself the thought of, I can change this circumstance. I can move to the next chapter of my life. I can be worthy of all the gifts that are going to be bestowed upon me in this next adventure. And 
Michelle, I think your career speaks volumes to that. And even the things that you have been doing in Toastmasters and helping others to see their best versions of themselves has been something of a remarkable opportunity that I think even from an innocent bystander uh, looking outward and looking in, you have definitely taken that to the direction that it needs to be for yourself. I'm wondering, though, about this as we almost close out our time. I did think of this question in that you said something about shame. And it's something that is really powerful that I work with my clients too, is overcoming some of those barriers that might be inhibiting them for seeing where they can potentially go, whether that is to make a life change or have a new routine or even do things that they normally haven't done in the past. What would you say was the biggest challenge for you to transition from this situation, which is just absolutely despicable, and I'm glad that you're out of it because you definitely are. How did you transition from that moment to where you're at now? And what would you say to someone that is on the cusp of that change, meaning not necessarily how to get out of the situation because you explained that already, but how do you move forward in a direction that has that positive mindset? Because you're just reeking of positivity right now that is contagious. And a lot of people are probably confounded by how you are keeping the smile going. How are you doing that? That word comes up again, perspective, perspective. I decided that you could look at anything as a negative or as a positive. And if you take that negative and turn it into a positive, then you're going to have a reason to smile. I don't look at my history as woe is me and I'm a victim. Instead, I am a strong, successful person who has claimed ownership of my life. And in order to do that, I had to do a few little things. One of those things was I did seek help. I found a therapist that dealt specifically with trauma and we talked and that was very helpful. And of course, I read a lot of books. And that's where my next point comes in is education. A lot of people are afraid to take a chance on education. Maybe they were told that they were dumb when they were growing up or that they weren't capable of doing more. You're always going to be whatever that title is that they put on you, that identity. I went to college. I went to the local community college and signed up for one class. I said, let's see how this goes. And I excelled. I got an A on my first exam. I sat in my car for three hours after that test, after I got the test results back. And I cried because I believed in myself again. <laughs> And that was a good feeling, but I was able to continue going down that road where I 
achieved. I continued. And even when I found moments when I struggled, I asked for help. I went and got a tutor or I talked to an instructor or I went to a school counselor. I asked for help and I continued to move forward with my life. I continued to take that step. That step I keep talking about that drives you in the right direction. Education was one of the best things for me because I built up some confidence. And when I came into Toastmasters, that's a form of education. It's another way that we develop who we are. And I wasn't feeling completely confident when I came into Toastmasters. I had slidden backwards just a little bit. And that happens in life. Sometimes we find things that cause us to struggle or wobble a little bit. I stepped into Toastmasters feeling not as confident as I was when I graduated from college. But Toastmasters gave me the opportunity to stand in front of people, to challenge myself to achieve something that was all on me. I was in a safe space and it was an excellent opportunity for me to grow. And I have thrived in Toastmasters. If somebody cannot afford to go to college, I would wholeheartedly suggest a Toastmasters club for you because it is the least expensive way to get the opportunities to grow, to learn about leadership and development, to excel beyond your own expectations, to make friends, to find a support system in the world. It is a great organization and I highly recommend it. I have to say that it's remarkable to have seen your growth just through Toastmasters personally, which from my audience, as I mentioned, I've known Michelle specifically through Toastmasters, but having this interview, I've learned so much more about you as a result of just what you have persevered through. And I have a deeper appreciation for the friendship that we've been able to accumulate. And you already stole my thunder by pitching Toastmasters, but I want to give you a few moments to pitch what you're doing next year, which next year for my audience is really July 1st. You're taking on a new role, I've heard. And yeah. I'm curious if you want to share a little bit about that role that you're doing in Toastmasters to wrap us up and what you are looking forward to in the new Toastmasters year. Thanks, Josh. I am nervous about what's to come. And I have taken on a tremendous job and I've made a lot of promises. And I'm a person who, when I say I can do something, I get it done. I find a way, no matter what, it's going to happen. And as you can tell through the story that I've shared with you today, I haven't always been there. I've had these moments where I was stagnant in life but I am not stagnant anymore. That is something I don't, it just does not sit well with me. This coming year, I am the incoming club growth director. That means I am one of the top three leaders in our district. That's District 38 in Toastmasters International. We will be working on growing new clubs developing new clubs, finding new opportunities, 
and retention, which is keeping the clubs that we already have. But I'm also going to be focusing on a few other things. I have some plans that are going to help people, anyone who wants to be mentored. I'm going to find people to mentor those individuals. There aren't always people in the clubs because some of the clubs are smaller. Some of the clubs struggle. But we want to bring excitement back to being a part of those clubs. I want to see that excitement. We see it at such high levels all the time because we get that bigger picture where we can see all the great things that are happening and we can focus on those great things. But sometimes we forget or overlook the, the people who are quiet, the ones that are not speaking up, the clubs that have hidden risks for not succeeding. And those are the people, those are the clubs that I am especially interested in. And I hope to find a way that we can tap into those clubs, those members, and help them be a success in the upcoming year. And in the future, you have big shoes to fill, but at the same time, you are helping people. You were just like one of them at one point and you got the help that you needed and look at you now. You're, you're helping others to see not only things that maybe they haven't yet unlocked, but you're going to make changes that I believe will have rippling effects across not just District 38, which is central and southern New Jersey, along with eastern Pennsylvania, but even the entire world. And for my audience, I'll leave in the episode notes, again, another way to connect with Toastmasters by visiting a local club in your own backyard, wherever you're at, even if it is not in District 38. But Michelle, I thank you so much. You are a true saint. We're really... Something else that I, a true goddess, let's put it that way. Let's give you an upgrade because saint was not the appropriate term. But I want to say that you have gone through so much and it shows that you deeply care. And I appreciate you sharing your thoughts with our audience today. Thank you, Josh. I had a great time talking with you. Complacency is my enemy. Don't stay stuck in the past keep moving forward. That was something that Michelle shared with me before we started recording this episode, that as I listen back and think about what she had just shared, it is so important that we don't stay complacent. And it is also so easy for us to fall in the trap of thinking that we are always going to be stuck in these two out of 10 ways that we have been learning throughout our lives and know that we're not going to be able to make it through. But if anything about Michelle today dispelled that rumor about that sort of time-tested, long-forgotten adage, I think it is important to say that she eradicated that ceiling. A lot is, can be said about what she had shared throughout the episode. And I have to say, a lot can be shared about this interview that we just had. And some of the things that I think about when reflecting on this is that a lot of what we can do 
relates specifically to the personal actions that we have in regards to our social development. It is so easy to fall in the trap sometimes of thinking, I'm always got to do it this way. I always have to think about it this way because that is what I've been taught throughout my life. But if anything can come true in our lives, it is this. When we start to separate ourselves from whatever that toxic messaging is as it relates to our social development, we can start to make inroads into what is really important. One of the things that she said also that resonated was about the authenticity and care that we can give ourselves if we are willing to have those vast connections with people. And as someone that is an Air Force veteran and also has gone through the workforce after all these situations happened with her ex-husband, all these things can happen if we're willing to be active listeners, which is also something else that she talked about. And we need to be able to be heard all the time when it comes to when we're having that dialogue, that two-way street. With many of the clients that I work with, Sometimes having the relationships with individuals as it comes to understanding what each person wants from it becomes what is called a crucial conversation. That's not a term that I developed, but is also something that many authors, especially Joseph Greeney and others, in a book called Crucial Conversations for Mastering Dialogue, talk quite a lot about. As long as we're willing to be heard, and as long as we're able to have that discussion back and forth, about the vast importance of why we are able to grow and why we are able to have X, Y, and Z happen, we are able to make roads appear that maybe haven't appeared before because all we had to do was think about how we were having that conversation and how we were able to create that opportunity that no longer was not really feasible into something that is feasible. and. When we have active listening, we're also creating relationships with each other. I'm not just talking about the people that we're interacting with, but I think Michelle brought up a very interesting point during our interview that was really helpful that I want to share. When we start to have relationships with ourselves, I mean actually thinking about what we can do to give ourselves self-care, self-love, self-reflection, self-whatever word you want to use that's positive and affirming, we start to have complacency with the attitude of being positive. And those are the things that if we're able to keep moving ourselves forward in, nothing is impossible or stand in our way from achieving the dreams. If we can start to do that first, anything is possible, especially if you go through such a situation that Michelle had, which for my audience, this was the very first time that I ever heard the story about what Michelle had actually gone through with her ex-husband. She and I have talked about this previously on occasion when I have had conversations about her Toastmasters journey on, in other matters. But this was the first time that I actually heard play-by-play -play as to what she actually endured. My mouth dropped open. And my appreciation for those that have gone through some of these events will forever be deeper because of what Michelle's testimony was to us. It wasn't just about what she endured, 
But it was something that she used that she gained because she was able to take herself to the next level. And the biggest thing that she shared towards the end was that she was ashamed. Now, shame in itself can be a very terrible feeling to have. It almost makes you afraid. And Michelle conveyed that quite a lot during the episode, where when she was getting into the story of where that originated from, why she thought that these sort of values are something that is important in her life and why she wanted to work with others, she started to really talk about why the importance of having a mentor and also having somebody that can help to dispel those sort of things are important. I can't overemphasize the importance of having somebody like a coach to help you go through those times, especially when you need that affirmation and that accountability. And that's exactly what my business, Your Speaking Voice, really truly does to help people see the best version of themselves, not just from where they're at today, but where they can be in the future. I know I sound like a broken record sometimes when it comes to saying that, Oh, yes, you can always be the best version of yourself, Josh, but it takes work. But if you're willing to do the work, you can be something like Michelle is today, truly successful, and now is leading thousands of Toastmasters in her next adventure within that organization. She's taking the skills that she's learning right now and applying them to what's ahead. Shame does not have to be the dictating force that throws us into the abyss that we can never crawl out of. I know that personally, and I shared that with you in episode seven where I talked about where determination had to be the point in which I moved forward. That had to be the determining factor for me to say, I had enough and I know I can do better. This episode was not planned to think about that consequence and Michelle certainly showed that that consequence can be for the better. But we were talking after this episode in which I was expressing my surprise about what she had been through. And she mentioned something to me that we all will have to think about as we think forward into the future. It is all about retraining our brain, our thought process, in which we're able to move forward and think of things which we never thought of before. And if we're able to do that, if we're able to say to ourselves that we're going to move ahead no matter what, and we're able to relearn some of the things that might have been toxic, what a game changer that could be in our own lives. I know that complacency can be comforting sometimes, but if you make that your enemy and you don't stay stuck in the past, and you keep moving forward, you're going to be like Rocky Balboa, always getting back in the ring, always willing to take the shots that you never took, and knowing that you can be a true champion no matter where you're at in your life. Thanks for listening to episode number eight of Speaking from the Heart, and I look forward to hearing from your heart very soon. Thanks for listening. For more information about our podcast and future shows, search for Speaking from the Heart to subscribe and be notified wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit us at www.yourspeakingvoice.biz for more information about potential services that can help you create the best version of yourself. See you next time.